Welcome to First Formation, spiritual exercise for Christian soldiers looking to get the fuck up and pray. Join Pew Pew HQ every weekday morning to hear the good news through grunts and with grunts in the unity of the Holy Spirit as one church forever and ever. Fall in. Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 46 through 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him, from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 19-28 through 28. They rose early in the morning and worshipped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah. Elkanah knew his wife Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. In due time Hannah conceived and bore a son. She named him Samuel, for she said, I have asked him of the Lord. The man Elkanah and all his household went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and pay his vow. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, As soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him and then and he may appear in the presence of the Lord and remain there forever. I will offer him as a Nazarite for all time. Her husband Elkanah said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. So the woman remained and nursed her son until she weaned him. When she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. She brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O oh my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who is standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me the petition that I made to him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is given to the Lord. She left him there for the Lord. Hebrews chapter 8. Now the main point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary in the true tent that the Lord, and not any mortal, has set up. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Hence it is necessary for the priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They offer worship in a sanctuary that is a sketch and shadow of the heavenly one. For Moses, when he was about to erect the tent, was warned, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But Jesus has now obtained a more excellent ministry, and to that degree he is the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted through better promises. But if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need to look for a second one. God finds fault with them when he says, 
The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their ancestors on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I had no concern for, for them, says the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach one another or say to each other, I know the Lord, for they shall all know, for the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he has made the first one obsolete, and what is obsolete and growing old will soon disappear. Good morning, and welcome to the fourth and final Tuesday of Lent. I'm sorry, of Advent. This is Brother Logan Isaac broadcasting from the from North Yarmouth, Maine. The readings this morning come from the Gospel of Luke, First Samuel one and Hebrews eight. Uh, this last week of Advent, we follow uh, the Magnificat in place of a Psalm, um, and in place of a, uh, a Gospel reading, um, and we're also following the 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 story of Hannah and Hannah's child, Samuel. And then finally, this kind of explanation in Hebrews written maybe by Apollo, um, who um, from his um, Latin or Roman name, we can assume he wasn't Jewish, but he certainly learned a lot very quickly and wrote a very um, influential letter. Um, And what stuck out to me in Samuel, um, I forgot that I found this here, Um, so Hannah uh, is barren, which is a story that's repeated a lot in the Bible. And she's um, she prays to the Lord, and she says, If you give me a child, um, I will dedicate them to the Lord forever and make him a Nazarite, just like Samson was. And uh, it's this really interesting offer because she really just wants she wants to be a mother. But she, but she's also giving that thing up. And we see this morning uh, in the readings that the only time she spends as a mother before she literally gives him up um, is as an infant breastfeeding. So year and a half, year maybe two at the most. Um, and then she, you know, the, I'm sure there's a whole lot of backstory about the heartache that that caused. But um, she was a mother. And that's what she she wanted, and she was almost. It just seems odd, um, because being a mother is is separated from being a mother, like ongoing. Um, the The state of being a mother is here made distinct from the ongoing function and reality of being a mother. Um, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know. I want to believe that she always wanted a child, but she was willing to give it up in order to have a child. You know, it reminds me of the, uh, when King Solomon is approached by two women, you know, the, the, the mother is so concerned, the real mother, not the, the imposter. She's so concerned that she'd rather the baby live and not be with her than to not live at all. And that, exposes the, you know, the the imposter um but anyway the so it's it's a loss 
And she says, uh, when she sees Eli, the priest, Hey, do you remember me? I was that person you thought was drunk. You know, I, I was praying to the Lord. And um, in fact, Eli tells her after he's you know, called called out, you know, for falsely accusing her of being drunk. He says, you know, the Lord will grant you your wish. And she comes back, you know, two years later, three years later. Um, and here's this woman with a child and she leaves him. She left him there for the Lord. But the, it's not before she says, uh, you know, I've made this promise. I'm going to stand by it. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he's given to the Lord. Um, and reading between the lines, the the suggestion is that when he dies, he will return to his mother. Um, and his mother will have a son with her again after he dies. That it's only alone, alone to God. Um, and when the loan is over, um, then they will be together. Um, and it's just really, you know, kind of heartbreaking image of like, the, you know, clearly she wanted a child, she got a child, um, but then for all their lives, they're not going to be together, but she has this hope, this light at the end of the tunnel that um, reminds us, the reader, that, you know, life doesn't last forever and death isn't the end. Um, she's only lent him to the Lord. It's not a permanent, you know, she'll get him back. Um, and it's just, you know, painfully uh, touching moment um, that's just really, really underplayed by the text. It assumes, it, you know, the text doesn't seem to be interested in telling you like this heartwarming story or pulling on your heartstrings. It's really practical. And I think a lot of books are like that. Um, but this one in particular, Samuel and Chronicle and Kings, um, they're, the story they're telling, the way they're telling it is very different. Um, you know, the author knows that it will hurt to think about um, not having your child. Um, and, but that's not what's important. What's important is God, you know, the promises that we make to God, um, and that God fulfills God's promises, um, and we are expected to fulfill ours, um, and and also that you know, this life is fleeting and and not hanging around for long. Um, and the it also reminded me because some it to to similar extent it's I think of um, you know people who have who have endured miscarriages. Um, we um, our family has had. Um, a miscarriage, and to honor the short life of an unborn child, we um, we gave her a name, and we we made a, a little icon in which we um, we uh, found. I found this this passage of scripture that um, they have been lent to the Lord um, that will be together after all things are made right. Um, and it's just really poignant to have this reading um, coming up to Advent. And for a lot of people who have um, endured miscarriages in their in their families, the 
you know, the Christmas season can be difficult because it's all about this baby, um, that, you know, this miraculous baby. And when you've lost something, to be around that thing that someone else has or, or it's with someone else, whether it's a baby or you know, like a toy or something, that brings up, um, that brings up, you know, feelings of grief. Um, it creates uh, emotional conflict, I suppose. And so it's important to remember, you know, the joy, the weird, you know, the joy of the Christmas season and the anticipation, but also uh, to remember that the point of the season is is also to remind us of the weariness of the world, the suffering, the the pain, the exhaustion, the frustration um, that makes us weary. Um, uh, you know, the answering to our cry. Uh, by God in Jesus. Um, Jesus is the answer to the weary world's prayer. Um, and that has, you know, it means so many different things to so many different people. Um, and that's why, you know, the, the liturgical seasons are so, I find them so fruitful um, because they're not, they're not usually just one, you know, emotional state. You know, it's like um, Inside Out, that Pixar movie where, you know, for the first several years of the child's life, all the memories are either joy or sadness or disgust or anger or fear. And then at some point, part of the story is realizing that memories can have two different, you know, shades or more. Um, and the liturgical seasons um, are, you know, they're, they're these really um, creative, artistic, human things um, that... You know, we, we sometimes forget, especially in a polarized world, that people can be nuanced and mature and and um, multifaceted. Um, but one thing that I appreciate about the Bible is um, is that it's it's uniquely human. You know, it doesn't bow to all of our you know our petty human squabbles and ideologies. It's so much richer and deeper than that, and you really get that in um, in stories like. Hannah's uh, and like the the, litur- the liturgical season and structure that the church has, has built around our scripture. A prayer for the care of children from the Book of Common Prayer. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, you have blessed us with the joy and care of children. Give us calm strength and patient wisdom as we bring them up that we may teach them to love whatever is just and true and good, following the example of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for falling into First Formation, where Pew Pew HQ shares morning prayers for the humble, hearty folk caught in the crosshairs of God and country. If you like what you've heard, you can participate in one of the three following ways. First, you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash pewpewhq. You can contribute as little as a dollar a month, and you can cancel at any time if I ever piss you off. Second, you can become a co-host by recording a lectionary reading for a future episode. Instructions will be provided, and you don't have to be a grunt to collaborate with pewpewhq in this or any way. Finally, you can also record and send prayer requests of a minute or less. Prayers can be included in the episode, read anonymously if you wish, or kept private for me to pray for off-air. So there you have it. 
three ways to participate in first formation. I hope you'll continue to listen, even if I can't convince you to jump in. This has been Brother Logan Isaac, always faithful, always family. Semper Familia.